sibilance sibilance i think i'm good on my end gangsta boogie gangsta boogie gangsta boogie we have very unusual mic checks here hello my friends thank you for joining us for the pebcac podcast a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people it is week 37 of 2022 and this week we remember those who we lost on september 11th both in the terrorist attacks in 2001 and in the 10th anniversary of the attack in Benghazi, Libya in 2012. This week, I am broadcasting from Bangkok, Thailand as the first one on the podcast to broadcast from Asia, excluding the country of India. The tap water here is not drinkable, and with me, I have my co-host, Uncle Barbecue, who has been swimming in some water, also with questionable quality. So you, you say that, but I actually didn't go swimming in there. I wanted to. And uh, for everyone kind of listening in, trying to figure out what the hell we're talking about, uh, we went up north this weekend to Flagstaff and about 40 minutes outside of there, well, 40 minutes if you have a truck that's, you know, equipped to drive on really messed up rocky dirt at like 70 miles per hour, uh, it's a place called Grand Falls, Arizona, and the water looks like uh, chocolate milk and huge waterfalls associated with it. You can hike down. It was a little warm probably about 96 degrees humidity was okay but it's literally just uh clay and the clay is so dense and whatnot it turns this crystal clear water into this chocolate milk and I is didn't that a phenomenon is that a phenomenon or is that just something that that's always like that teach it's always like that and it actually changes wow. the color of the colorado river so it, it goes from up north and then it intercepts the little colorado river and then it gets into the uh, big stuff. So like April time frame, it will change the color of the, of the Colorado River 100%. It's it's definitely cool to see, and it's not that bad of a hike. So I definitely would recommend it. Put that on the list. Bucket list time right there. Bucket list, baby. And we have Glenn Medina. Glenn, did you get to visit the 9-11 Memorial when you were back east? Yeah, great question, Chris. Uh... No, um, but I was able to see it. So we went, we went into New York City one evening, uh, walked around, got to see this really cool thing at the. It's called the Vanderbilt Building. It's one valley. It's right next to Grand Central Station, where the three floors were dedicated to you know this this view, and they call it the summit. And in that summit, like the first floor of that of that view is all glass. So everywhere you look is kind of a mirrored image and it looks like things go on for infinity. Great views, you know, 360 degrees around the building was, I thought was just phenomenal. And it's like I said, I've been to New York before, but it's something I've never done. Um, and then we were staying in Jersey city with my, with my mom's, um, family. So didn't get to do a lot of sightseeing. We were there to see, uh, my mom and her sister who she hasn't seen, Gosh, in over 15 years. Pretty surprising. And she had celebrated her 92nd birthday. So happy birthday, aunt. Happy Damn. birthday. Hey, f- forget about New York, right? That's or Chicago. That's nothing. I want to hear about, you know, Pro- is it Prague? And I want to hear about Bangkok, Chris, because there's got to be some great stories around there someplace. Yeah. Would you go back yeah. with either, to either one of those places with the kid, wife and kids? Yeah. I would. There's a lot of good stuff to see. So Prague was more historical. So we like museums and history and things like that. That was a good place. And I'm sure there's places outside the city. This is just in the area. 
we were at kids probably wouldn't like it so much and you know my, my wife isn't as into history but there's, there's other stuff to do there but Prague was good for history museums uh, Bangkok I it's been thunderstorming here a lot so I haven't been able to wander too far away from the hotel area but there's a lot of good shopping here um, and then they have a nice river here so actually Prague has a nice river as well so if you want to do like a riverboat tour um, I, I would bring the the family here it's just those flights are absolutely killer so does the water not dry over there why are you scared of a little thunderstorm <laughs> i didn't bring an umbrella <laughs> oh, you don't need that just you're already sweating you're already 100 percent humidity you're already wet just go go enjoy I, it man I, I don't think bangkok has drought issues like we do in the united states at this moment in time do they so yeah and i think we got six inches of rain issue. last night alone yeah yeah it's been it's been raining a lot I think there is somewhere around there, maybe not in Bangkok, but somewhere over there is a giant cave that's like six miles like deep and you can like fit like New York size skyscrapers in it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is that the one where the kids no. got lost in? No, no. <laughs> no. So, hey, Chris, so I, I got to ask, uh, got any places that you would recommend in each city that is a must see if you're going to travel? For Prague, it's definitely Prague Castle. Prague Castle was built in the year 900, like the 10th century. So really old. Prague was spared from a lot of the bombing in, in World War II. So there's a lot of stuff that's been preserved there. That was really nice. And then in Bangkok, probably the most we got out of the city was to go see the Leaning Buddha. So the Leaning Buddha is pretty famous here. And that's relatively close to the hotel. That was, it was nice to see that. And you're Buddhist, right, Chris? I am not Buddhist. (laughs) (laughs) One one thing I did notice uh, between the two cities, so Prague is a lot more, uh, there's less less language barrier in Prague than there is here in Bangkok. In in Prague, there's multilingual signs. I could speak to English people and they at least know what I was talking about. Here in Bangkok, less so. Everything's in Thai. There's less signs in other languages and People here uh, don't understand English as well as they did in Prague. Oh, we're supposed to be doing a podcast right now, guys. Yeah, what's going on? We're (laughs) eight minutes in already. Combined, we have decades of information security experience in here, not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for this week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So one of the reasons I am currently traveling around the world is I have the opportunity to present to all our colleagues all over the world, which is is nice. And a lot of them actually didn't know why the podcast was named the, the PEVCAC podcast. I put it in the show's description for every episode, but I guess since we're probably going to have a lot of new listeners from, uh, from my global tour here, uh, PEVCAC stands for the problem exists between the chair and the keyboard. So basically user error. And usually when I tell people that, uh, light bulb goes on and like, oh, okay, Larry, yeah, I get it. That's funny. Larry problem. Exactly. Well, those, I wanted to call it. The I, eight. Let's get into the OSI model real quick, guys. I wanted to call it the ID10T error, but no one, you guys didn't agree with me. So it doesn't roll off the tongue like the, the PEPCAC podcast. That's error. true. What does that mean? I don't even know. I'm looking at it. So you got to write it down and then it looks like a word. ID10T. ID10T. Oh, ID. 
one zero. Oh, idiot, Eric. Got it. <laughs> idiot I was Eric. writing out T E N. I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> I like that better. From here on out, we're there reading that, guys. That's it. Dietro well, started a rival podcast called the ID Tim T podcast. That's you guys will be my co-stars. <laughs> yeah. And all we will do is all talk right. about the Pebcac podcast. <laughs> Beep. Yeah, that that one that won't have the explicit tags. I don't have to censor you guys so much. Mm, uncut. All right. For our opening topic, the annual Burning Man Festival took place last week. Since I was traveling, I was obviously not there. Have you guys ever been to Burning Man, and do you have any desire to ever do so? I feel like I live Burning Man every day in Arizona. Like, it is this dusty and hot as crazy. I've seen pictures and videos. I have zero interest in it myself. I, I used to work with a guy that would build things for Burning Man, like huge artifacts of whatever, steel structures, um... I see them. I like. I see the pictures. I look at it. I don't like the hot, dusty. Um, looks kind of nasty to me. Look, doesn't look very hygienic. The the one thing that I like to see, uh, you could tell that Burning Man just ended, is uh, driving on the freeways here in California. You can see the people that are coming back because their cars are like filthy white um, as they're as they're coming back home. Like God, go get a car wash. What's wrong with you guys? So, <laughs> so that's O for two. Okay, so Chris, this... have you gone? I have not gone. Um, I I'm not in, of the arts kind of person. I could see, you know, if you are into that, why it'd be cool to go. But yeah, the thought of spending days in the desert and there's no utilities. So everything you need, you have to cart in. You have to bring in your water. You have to bring in your food. You have to live in an RV. Uh, I don't think pack you it in, in, pack it out. Exactly, and then you know, California banned you know internal combustion engine cars. So in a couple. You know, in, in 10 years or so, you're going to have electric cars there. You know, there's got to be a lot of cars with dead batteries there. So it's not not exactly my cup of tea. Although I, I've actually seen some setups that are, it's more like glamping. Like they have this elaborate setup. They bring everything in that you need. That'd probably be one of the few conditions I might go. But yeah, definitely not up my alley. Um, and actually, so this, this year's Burning Man was the first time they had it in three years because of the pandemic. And at the very end of Burning Man, they said it took people like eight hours just to get to the exit gate. And then after the exit gate, the high, the freeways were all jammed. So it's, that's just not fun. So my understanding is like I, I my like my image of Burning Man is like if you look at some of the older pictures from long ago when it first started, it was kind of like an apocalypto where, you know, they they carted things in, they built structures and whatnot. Like now Mad I Max. see. Yeah, it's Mad Max like Mad type Max, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Now it's like, it's kind of like def, the black hat where it's being, you know, corporate, commercialized, you know, corporate, commercialized, Corporatized. corporate yeah. corporations are coming in and building stuff and people are flying in on, like, I, I think I saw a YouTube video where people are flying in on jets. It's like, yo, that's not what Burning Man was supposed to be about, right? So why, why are you being part of Burning Man having There's those There's some old dude of... on the bicycle pissed off. He's like, get your damn jet yeah, out of here. That's right. Yeah. So <laughs> so what kind of music is it? Is it like EDM or is it like hard rock? I don't even know. I think it's anything and everything. I think there's there's not just there, one stage like Coachella or 
I mean, or, I mean, Coachella, I think, also has multiple stages, but so it's country or, uh, music, outside lands. Yeah. So I think it's, it, I think it's like concentric circles, right? There's there's concentric circles, and each each area has its own little village, is what I'm, my understanding as well, from what I was told yeah. many many years ago. I guarantee there's no country music there. I'm just speculating. I'll have to ask somebody that that yeah, point and see. One of our listeners will tell us: Is there country music at Burning Man? Hey, did you? Uh, I remember a couple of years little... ago. Oh, go ahead. I remember a couple years ago there was some guy. He was an arsonist, and he he lit the Burning Man on fire before they were supposed to light the Burning Man on fire, and oh, some, some controversy around that. He he lit it too soon. It's been a while since we've had a true ransomware story of the week, so we'll briefly talk about a few that have come across the newswire just in Feels the last week. Feels like we get one every week. What are you talking about? The country of Montenegro is facing a ransomware attack that shut down most of the government infrastructure, and ransomware crews are demanding $10 million for the decryption key. The government of Chile had their ESXi servers ransomed and locked up. They targeted the electricity and water supply systems, transportation services, online portals for various state agencies, and even power plants have switched to manual operations because they're afraid that the IT infrastructure might affect their, the power grid. A uh, French hospital was hit for t- a $10 million ransomware attack and had to divert patients to other hospitals. They believe it's the LockBit crew, but if it is true, it violates LockBit's policy of not attacking hospitals and healthcare. And a, Greece, a Greek gas operator refuses to negotiate with a ransomware group after being hit. Only the IT side got hit, not the OT side, so unlike Colonial Pipeline, the gas is still flowing. Well, the whole zero trust messaging that we heard at RSA and Black Hat and DEFCON, it's, it's, it's coming to light, especially the OT stuff. So I'm not really surprised. Um, are they actually asking for $10 million? Like PayPal transfer or are they asking for Bitcoin or some type Bitcoin, of crypto? crypto. Some okay. type of crypto. Yeah. Yeah. Usually you, you can't PayPal, you can't wire transfer. <laughs> usually they ask for it in some type of untraceable cryptocurrency. Want it all in unmarked copper pennies. Is That'd this be a not... lot of pennies. Am <laughs> yeah, I just desensitized by this whole thing? Like, no one's really... Like, all this news has come out. There's all this stuff that's going on. And yet, you know, people are still getting ransomed for some reason. Yeah, it's sort of like breach fatigue. We're, we're just so used to everyone's data being leaked out there now. It's just... it does. It's not even a blip on the radar anymore. Yeah. French yeah. hospital gets hit and has to divert patients, and it's just a, a byline in some infosec newsletter. You've said it before, yeah. like attacking hospitals kind of messed up. I'm agree. I, I agree with you on that. That's that's kind of jacked. But that's where the money's at. So go for it, guys. Yeah, until someone dies, <laughs> right? So I mean, if there's not a death, it's really not an issue. But God, God forbid, if anyone if anyone was uh, hurt from that or passed away because of that. On the note of the hospital, even if people don't die, it's like a huge inconvenience. Like people, like I don't know how it is in France, but at least here in the U.S., like if you have to get a surgery or some type of special type of operation, like it could be months before you get an appointment, and then even if it's not life and death, it's like super inconvenient. And then if a hospital gets ransomed and they can't perform it, like it might be months again before you can wait to get that surgery. Or think of someone. Go ahead. No, you. Uh, think of someone that needs treatment, right? Where 
like my father needed cancer treatment. They had to divert that and delay it because of ransomware, right? Where it may not be a critically issue, a critical issue today, but it's a continuity of care that he needs in order to fight cancer. That's just miserable. Uh, these guys should get fried. Dude, on that that note of stuff. So, Chris, what, what what's going on with my heart? You know how to say it better than me. It's a superventricular tachycardia (SVT). Yes. I believe it's the acronym. So my my heart. Did your wife break beating. your heart? No, your wife no, it's just beating fast. But, <laughs> well, here's the thing: it's been going on for like over a year, right? And and anytime I talk to people, they're like, "Well, maybe your Apple Watch is just broke." I'm like, "No, man, I can see my heart like literally pounding and uh, whatnot." So I actually had uh, an episode a couple days ago. My wife took me to the ER, not because I didn't die, but just just to go over there and check it out. So Dignity Health is the hospital we went to. And I'll tell you what, like talk about the greatest service known to man. Like I walked in, I'm like, yeah, this is what's going on. I look pretty calm and peaceful. They hooked me up like real quick to check out my heart and they can see that it's like 193 beats per minute. And next thing you know, there's like 10 people. Yeah, there's like 10 people in the room, uh, like hooking up all these things to me. Uh, It was just, uh, long story short, I'm fine. But the crazy part was just like how great the entire staff was. So if you ever have to go to a hospital in Arizona, Dignity Health, man, they came through. I mean, like, from the moment I walked in to, you know, having hands all over me and people over there, like five minutes. It was wild. So once again, I've taken this podcast out of security and into my own personal life. Uh, on a sort of semi-related note, I remember reading, I think it was maybe last year or two years ago, they actually did a study and they said that hospitals that have suffered ransomware attacks that have you know, additional controls in place, uh, they tend to have higher... Uh, mortality rate, higher death rates, because they said if they have to spend the extra 30 seconds to use the MFA, or if they have to perform extra steps to unlock this workstation, then that's 30 seconds of delay in care. So we're, we're reaching that point where, you know, it, it shouldn't have to be that you have to defend these hospital systems as much as we do today, although it's good practice anyway, but it actually affects the quality of care. Yeah, there's something fundamentally wrong with, especially if the breach starts with OT. Like, I don't get, like, why it's so hard to lock that stuff down or at least take that approach. But, you know, all it takes is it's human error, right? Somebody just accidentally opened up the wrong thing and now there's communication and people are in. Or worse yet, it could be supply chain type of attack as well. Yeah, you pay some contractor, says get this extra machine online and then they get the machine online oops except we actually expose it to the internet with no passwords like come on really and then it's it's, you know may or may not be the hospital so it could be the some contractor they hired to do the job that didn't secure it properly it's that that copy machine guy (laughs) one of my friends that he runs like a like a, a beard company like beard uh product company I, I refer a ton of people over there. He's like, I'm going to make you an affiliate. And he signed me up. I'm like, I don't need to be an affiliate. I'll just, I'll just tell people about your stuff. He, anyways, he sends me the the username and password over Instagram. And my password is password10. So there's that. And I'm like, dude, come on, man. I gotta, can I at least change this thing? Jesus. Instagram's not end end encrypted yet either. So Instagram has the password now too. Yeah. Well, they did. I changed that thing. By the way, Bitwarden, see you later, LastPass. That's where you got me migrated over. The only thing that's down that I did not like is that it didn't take my notes or any of the pictures that I had taken and imported that. Uh, Was the uh, migration process pretty easy? 
Yeah, Gage? it was literally just log into the web UI, uh, create like a CSV, and then you just copy and paste it right into Bitward, and you're done. The only, again, the only nice. the biggest downside is like like all the stuff that I kept like in the the notes and stuff like that, like the security, security notes. Sure. Yeah. yeah, security. That notes, didn't yeah. that didn't come over. Secure notes didn't no. come over. No, mm. like I would keep like my insurance card in there. Just stuff easy, you know, easier to find on any yeah. device. And I don't think they let yeah, you set that thing up without notes. 2FA, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, that's that's huge. And I know LastPass Free doesn't support 2FA, but Bitwarden Free does, which is another Look reason. Look at that. That and then the unlimited device sync support for Bitwarden. 10 bucks and annually. Yeah. I yeah, send it with the family one. I was going to say. Yeah. I may have to start using this, though. This is pretty cool. like it. All right, for our second topic, a new cryptocurrency miner delays the running of the malicious code for up to 30 days to try and avoid detection. Sandbox Evasion is not new, and delaying the malicious payload is not new, but this new crypto miner shows how far criminals are willing to go to deliver their malware. They're willing to wait 30 days after initial infection before starting to see any type of return on their infection investment. The malware is disguised as Google Translate or an MP3 player, some type of standalone application. And the malware further attempts to evade detection by using a password-protected RAR file. The malware sends the PC's specifications to a command and control server and in return receives instructions on how long to wait and how much CPU to use to further evade detection. So there's, well, I mean, there's two things going on right here. So the sandbox evasion is only, I guess, for the malicious payload. But the fact is you still have kind of taken over this PC. You have a, you have a, a binary of some nature that's running undetected. So how is that done? It has to be a zero. Well, I don't know if it's a zero day, but it hasn't been flagged as being malicious yet. Yeah, pretty much. You're allowed to download it. You're allowed to install. I, I'm guessing the, the, the executable you install is some type of dropper, and then the dropper will download the secondary payload at a f- at a future time. So if I'm a bad guy and I know that I've sent this out to twelve places, and I'm waiting for thirty days, so oh man, this would be this is actually pretty sweet. And it like I'm doing sandbox evasion techniques in my sandbox, and I fast forward like six months out or thirty days, right? And it immediately phones back home. Like I know that that thing has been compromised, and I don't actually open that up to do nefarious things. I think that's actually pretty clever. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Re- repeat that again, Brian. So, if, I, I, so number yeah. So number one is sitting there running. It's not doing anything uh-huh. bad. But if I de- if I deploy it and then in my sandbox, right, I am fast forwarding time thirty one days in advance, and it's immediately calling back. That's me, the bad guy. I'm gonna look at this and be like, oh, this has obviously been compromised. Go ahead and don't don't send it the uh, the bad stuff. Because once I do that, then it flags everything, right? Then there's a signature gets you know blasted out cloud wide. Yeah, I think that's I pretty see. creative. I like that. I, I mean, mean, I hate that. Is, they got nothing but time on their side, right? So yeah, they can wait. That's what we found out that a lot of these third actors will be pretty patient about it. Well, there are some anti sandbox evasion techniques. So I'm gonna say it again: anti sandbox evasion techniques like time acceleration to make what you would call a trace buster buster and outsmart the bad guys because you would just fast forward time like like you said and make you know fast forward a month to see if it actually uh launches the payload some malware waits for like three reboots and then you can 
simulate three reboots of the computer. But then the bad guys, what they do is they make a trace buster, 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 and they have their malware call out to a known NTP server to get the actual time in case some type of time acceleration attack was used. Well, I think you could probably spoof the NTP stuff, couldn't you? Or at least that you, you that's could, what you yeah. should be doing in your sandbox. Exactly. So if you know that it's phoning out to an NTP server, you can have it return something. And then I guess the trace buster, 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 buster method would be have this NTP server like sign the time or something crazy like that so it can't be spoofed. That'd be pretty sweet. It's always it's, this it's, cat and mouse game. Yeah, you know, when coming up with a signature for like the file, like a, a SHA signature or MD5, so the the way to counter that right is is that when you generate that binary, you can put in like some like not uh, was it NSO? What's the uh, acronym for non running code that's in the background? Just insert a bunch of white space and it NX changes the code. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just I think that's like a, default by now. Use hashbuster. I think there's a program called hashbuster. It's a technique called hashbusting. Yeah, you just change one bit and then it mod it changes the hash. I'm so glad I don't have to worry about that. That's somebody else's problem. I'll sell it all day, but I don't have to worry about it. Between polymorphic code and this thing waiting to phone back home for 30 days. I love it. Do you guys get the reference of the Trace Buster and the Trace Buster Buster? Do you know where that's from? No. It's a movie called The Big Hit. It's uh, Marky Mark and Lou Diamond Phillips. It came out, I think, in the 90s. It was a it was a dumb movie, but it was entertaining. And in the, as one of the plot lines, Marky Mark gets accused of kidnapping some, uh, you know, the, the head of the Yakuza's daughter, I think it was. And then they go to make the ransom call. And then the guys, the kidnappers say, I got this trace buster. So when they tried to you know, track us, it, you know, the trace won't work. This. And then, then it flips on the other side. It shows the, the Yakuza guy with his minions and says, oh, I got this trace buster buster. And I got this Trace Buster, Buster, Buster. And I got this Trace Buster, 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 Buster. So it was just like this whole cat and mouse game. So I, that's an analogy we use a lot in security of how you know this, the, the attackers try to come up with new techniques to evade our detection techniques and we create better te detection techniques. And yeah, it's just this, this arms race. It's a cat and mouse game. That's all it is. Yeah. All right, for our third topic, clever attackers are abusing anti-cheat software for the popular Genshin Impact game and essentially using it as a rootkit to kill AV-related processes. For those of you who do not play online games, <coughs> Glenn, competitively, <laughs> online cheating Brian. is pervasive and a huge problem that developers have to deal with. To combat online cheating, game developers require players to install this anti-cheat software, which often runs in kernel space, so we're talking about ring zero, so it can monitor and terminate any process it deems as cheat software. Well, there's a flaw in the anti-cheat software for Genshin Impact, which allows an attacker to use the kernel-level driver to kill antivirus processes, which is bad news for network defenders. The game maker, for whatever reason, will not patch the vulnerability, but organizations that solely rely on endpoint security software should take notice. Yeah, that's a bad thing that if it's running in kernel space, I'm like old school. I just, you know, tape a big red X on my actual monitor or my TV and just use that as the crosshairs. Makes it way easier to do it. I don't have to install anything. 
Yeah. England sending sending online gamer. <laughs> I, have no uh, idea. Like, I, I haven't played in a long time. You're right, but when I did, well, actually, you sent what? What game did you send to me? Like uh, your wife did. It, it wasn't Call of Duty. It was. Uh, it was Assassin's Black Creed. Op. Or no division. It was, oh, it was, uh, it was Tom Clancy Ghost Recon. I think. God, that game sucks. Like I hate it. Like I am. I am not good at that thing at all. But so that's what yeah. I did. Be a little bit more effective in my shooting. But you can't go in guns blazing like Fortnite. You have to be a little bit more strategic about you know, how you're going to kill people. It's the whole point of Ghost Recon, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's not Counter Strike. So is the is the 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 end all on this? The, the the main thing is to get the AV to uninstall, so that way they cannot run the AV the AV the cheat software. Is that is that what I'm hearing? So if you're the game developer, that's your end goal. So you install this kernel level driver, and if this kernel level driver detects cheat software, it kills the the process to keep things fair. From the malware attacker's standpoint, they use this rootkit basically, install it on the machine, and they use it to kill AV processes. So I can launch my you know, interpreter reverse shell, and AV won't be able to see it because I've just yeah. killed the AV process using this this rootkit. Gotcha. Remember, there's one for Fortnite. It was actually something that goes in between the controller and the computer. Like that way, it's completely like it's in line, but it's not actually running on there. That basically was like a an auto aim and auto fire um, mod that you can do. You can actually buy it off of Amazon. It's like a hundred bucks. Hmm. I wonder how they do that because I, I remember. Uh, Actually, they're probably still in use today, but like hardware keyloggers that sit between the keyboard and the computer, like that, you typically cannot detect with software because everything just saved locally on the the USB uh, device in the middle. I don't know how that would work with the controller, unless it would like inject commands or something. Like it would it would act like a controller, and then yeah, yeah. But if you have a hardware keylogger, man, you're you're pretty much toast, right? You're You've let them have layer one access to your device and are running that. Yeah, physical access is like crazy. You know what I really miss is Game Genie. Now that was an easy way. Game Genie, yes. Yeah. See, that that was innocent because you would modify the code on your system only. And I'm like, I'm all for that. Like people ask, what, how do you feel about mods and like modded lobbies and things like that? And they said, if you're not ruining anyone else's experience. Like, go wild. Like, Skyrim has just so many mods. Like, you can change all the characters in Skyrim to be Thomas the Tank Engine. Like, they have mods for that. Like, go wild. But the second that it starts affecting my fun, like, you're using an aimbot or something, I'm like, man, that's not fair. Like, that's when I, I'm, I'm against those those type of mods. Yeah, my son has actually been doing some crazy stuff with uh, with Pokemon. So he's found, like, tons of videos out there on, like, time-based cheats where you can do, I have no idea, but if you go back to like the original Nintendo DS and the games that he has, the theory is that if you unlock certain po- uh, certain Pokemon characters, you can actually take them all the way up throughout the, the, the years or the decade, right? And so he's successfully been able to go out and buy different Pokemon games, unlock, like I don't know if you'd call it unlock, but they, they go to retrieve a Pokemon. Like it's a kind of a, it's a random stuff, but it's like a random... I guess a long story short is they decrypted the random number generator. So it could be very predictable and you can get okay. a specific Pokemon. 
Pokemon. But on top of that, he's been able to take the Pokemon from all the way from his three or like his DS to his 3DS, and now he has those same Pokemon characters on his Nintendo Switch. So he's been able to migrate them all the way up. And on top of that, he's got characters that are not even possible to even obtain. Like it's impossible to have. I I don't know what's going on. He's like, but Dad, you understand? Like, you can have it, but there's it's mathematically impossible to have this particular character do this thing. So I kind of think it's kind of cool, though. That how, he's, how many hours do you think he's put in that? That's cool, Brian. <laughs> uh, probably lots of hours. Like we had to actually modify. Uh, I think it was this DNS, and then you what you yeah. do is you run localized uh, software to point it back at local hosts, and that way you can do different things. But it was pretty cool, though. Yeah, so. And I'll find a way to commoditize that then. <laughs> what was that, Chris? Glenn says you got to find a way to monetize that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He definitely should. He he needs to. You're right. Um, but we were actually saying something before that, too. No? No, I don't remember what I was going to say. Okay. What I was going to say is you know, putting my Zscaler SE hat on for a second. This is actually something we get asked quite a bit that someone asks you know if someone has good edr or if someone has good av software on the endpoint you know why would they need network security and you know i always preach defense in depth that security should always have layers because of exactly this reason if there's malware that can terminate that edr or av software you're toast if that's the only thing you're relying on you want to be able to block that malware before it even makes it to the user. And to be fair, you know, there are threats that network security will not see. So you need both EDR and network security as compensating controls for each other. I actually had a CISO like ogre. preach that to me. He was like, I'm going to push security out as far as possible. And then, you know, the last ditch effort to protect my guys will be the endpoint. Yeah. So like yeah. If I can security block 99% layers. of it in the cloud, then that makes way more sense. <laughs> I see that, like, and like I said, I think it's it just depends on where the threat is coming from, right? You're you can't you can't uh, stop a threat that's coming in through a USB uh, from a cloud standpoint, right? But uh, but definitely that's why you have different layers of approach when you're looking at that. They all have a time and place. I think we've all learned that in our careers. <laughs> so oh yeah. All right, for our last topic, and it'll be a rotating topic every week. This week, I'm posing the question to my co-host. You get $1,000 per person that you annoy. What's the fastest way you can become a billionaire? You got to go first. This is literally the first time I'm reading it. <laughs> so my thought process was your method has to be both annoying and far-reaching. So I was Going to start, say, I was going to say, you know, start start to yell monkey at a black jersey, but slamming it is, is not far reaching enough, although quite annoying. I might have to do a callback to our opening topic and say, cause a traffic jam at a major event like Burning Man, the Super Bowl, or the World Series, because you know, people become super patient and understanding when it comes to traffic jam. Yeah. So I, when, I would just like wear the opposing team's jersey to a to a sports game. Think of the 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 highest, uh, uh, like yeah. a, like go to a San Francisco game and wear a Cowboys jersey and just walk around and just yeah, I'd get I'd I'd get money hand you know, no problem right getting that done. Go to the, a Yankees game wear a spot, uh, San Francisco jersey. So I think you so had all Christmas. your rivalries wrong. So <laughs> yeah, the San Francisco 49ers, the rivals, the Seattle Seahawks, and then the Giants SF Giants would be 
the Dodgers. I thought it was the, the Cowboys the at one time, though. Wasn't it the Cowboys at one time? They say that, but we're more annoyed yeah. by the Seahawks, I would say. And then uh-huh. for New York Yankees, it'd be the Boston Red Sox. There you go. See, but that's how much I know about those sports. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> we get, so Glenn, we get there's the a a far there is a far reaching problem with your where the opposing um, jersey, and this happened in uh, Christmas Day, 1995, Cardinals game versus Dallas, and uh, high up in the bleachers, one of the uh, Dallas fans decided not to necessarily wear the Dallas jersey because he had that on, but he also had a shirt with a bunch of penises on it, and he said, "This is what I think of." Cardinals fans, he was pointing at it. Anyways, he ended up getting assaulted by like twelve people. So you might win, <laughs> but at what cost? You have a broken nose. You never know. He said annoy people. He didn't say worry about your life. So true. <laughs> Not for a billion though, you can take a broken nose. That's and right. And then uh, one time, this is way, like way back in the day. I think we were still in high school. We used to have to go to car auctions and uh, go buy cars. My mom, well, my dad would do it, and. Uh, We'd have to take cars back because we didn't even afford transportation back in the day. Like the margin was that thin. So me and one of my buddies, we would drive cars back for my dad. And one time uh, as we exited the highway and went into the divided highway, we decided that it'd probably be pretty funny because we're both in separate vehicles. There's only two lanes that we should go like 35 miles per hour in a 65. <laughs> I've done dude, that. <laughs> but we, we caused it for like 22 miles. Like it was insane. People were not happy. So, <laughs> who's done that? Randy at that point. <laughs> yeah, things you do when you're young never, and you just get your driver's license. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty I've funny. never intentionally caused a traffic jam like that. If someone's being a jerk and they pull behind me, I'll I'll intentionally slow down. That's probably the extent that I'll do it. But now I'm cause a traffic jam. You know, I don't see you like throwing on the brakes so hard or anything like that. Have you guys seen the yeah, the, the thing that you put in your back window? We're gonna like flip people off. It like lights up. No. We're gonna give like the thumbs up. I have up not or, seen that. Or throw the bird. We'll have to send it out to you. Yeah. Pretty cool <laughs> idea. Put that in the back of your Tesla, Brian. So this is what I would do. I would uh, open up a new Netflix account, and I would socialize my username and password out to everybody. I would pocket the other nine hundred seventy dollars. And then I would do a password change. And then nobody would have my Netflix password anymore. And they all be pissed off. Boom. Fastest way to a billion by recouping my, my money for everyone that I, that I shorted. <laughs> the other one I was thinking was uh, something that is universally hated and would have a wide-reaching audience is you make TV and streaming commercials 10 times louder than the actual content you're watching. <laughs> Yeah, that that's annoying. I would be annoying. You know, I have a free one on top of that. How about you just go you, you go to Las Vegas, maybe Mandalay Bay, and you just jump in the elevator. It's loaded. Every time you're in that elevator, it's loaded. And you just fart. Doesn't I've cost you anything. That already. You, yeah. you, you want to get people to really upset. That way. Yeah. yeah. You want to get people really upset, 12 people at a time? You bet the do not pass line at a craps table. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they don't take kindly to that. <laughs> no, man. You talk about not making friends. Oh, my gosh. Noted. Yeah. I'm going to start doing that next time I'm in, I'm in town. Yeah, another one I thought of, and I personally experienced this many times 
uh, riding public transit. So you go on a crowded subway or some type of public transportation or train and you play loud music through a Bluetooth speaker. Yeah, that's pretty annoying. That like, I don't understand those people. Anytime I go to California, that's a thing. There's people walking around their backpack, short yeah. shorts, and a Bluetooth speaker yeah. playing terrible music. Uh, Glenn's got to run. Does that mean you can't do your dad joke of the week? Do I have to fill no, in? I'm going to do my dad joke. Sorry. All right. Oh, we're at the top of the hour. Let's go. All right. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, Glenn is up. So, you know, I, I love my dad. And uh, one time I asked him, I said, so, Dad, how, how much does it cost to get married? And he told me, he goes, I don't know, son. I'm still paying for it. <laughs> that is very, very true. Kind of stings a little, Glenn. Kind of stings. Nice. All right. To wrap things up, be prepared for massive delays if you go to Burning Man. Ransomware is still alive and well, so protect yourselves. Malware is delaying its malicious payload by up to 30 days to avoid detection. Online gaming anti-cheat software is being used to bypass endpoint AV software. And the host notes show you how to annoy lots of people. That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rate us five stars at the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the PebCAC podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. For my co-host Brian Deach and Glenn Medina, I'm Chris Lee. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. Bye, I think I'm more surprised Thanks, that the, uh, yeah, thank you. I think I'm more surprised that they call it Burning Man still, not like Burning Person. You know yeah, what I'm saying? For how like, long? for how long next year we'll find out what would what would be the appropriate like way of saying that now i don't even know i'm not i don't live in california bye glenn burning bay bay yeah maybe bay burning amorphous conscious burning them burning them burning them all right we need to shut up all right three two one stop